All right, and we are live. We're back for episode number two of the Fantasy Kingdom show. Uh, we're going to be going over the uh, week one landscape, uh, taking a look at the uh, injury news, uh, see who should be picked up coming off of that injury news, and then we're going to jump into some of the big games from the uh, from the smaller named guys and let you know uh, which one's real, who you can uh, hope to rely on moving forward, and then who out of those big games is maybe a, a, a faker that you should go ahead and try and sell high now uh, to someone who's feeling down after an 0-1 start and uh, really try and take advantage of the market right now because week one is the ultimate small sample trap uh, and people will make overreactions based off of one big game or one quiet game and start to panic. So try and take advantage where you can. Uh, and then for the final portion of the show today, uh, I'm going to take a look at the, the bad performances uh, from guys within like the top two to three rounds and let you know, should we panic or should we just go ahead and relax a little bit? Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, like I said, I'm going to start here with the, the injury news. We had some big names go down uh, and just some, some kind of concerning things. So there's a handful of guys that you're going to want to keep on your radar and maybe try and scoop up uh, for waivers tomorrow morning. Uh, first up on the list is going to be Elijah Mitchell. Went down early in the San Francisco game, uh, first or second quarter, and uh, it's been told now he's on the injured reserve. He's going to be out at least eight weeks, so there is a big void there for a very run-heavy team with a mobile quarterback, so it's a very big opportunity. And uh, with Mitchell out during the game, the 49ers went ahead and went with a combination of Jeff Wilson and Debo Samuel. Uh, Samuel had one less carry than uh, than Wilson, so it doesn't seem like they really want to turn the keys over completely to Jeff Wilson, so it kind of opens up a little bit of an interesting opportunity here. Um, Jordan Mason was also active, but didn't receive any uh, any work while, uh, while Mitchell was out and while Wilson was in there. Um, and uh, Tyrion Davis-Price was also a healthy scratch, but you can't really count him out because maybe Shanahan just thought that he was a little too redundant with Elijah Mitchell. So for special teams, for blocking, for whatever purposes, for scheme fit, uh, Davis Price might have been an inactive just because, again, he, he might have been like a redundant asset in Shanahan's mind. So uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye out on, on, on those guys as the week goes on. Uh, and also, Marlon Mack is not dead. Marlon Mack got signed to the practice squad today by the 49ers, so it's another name to kind of just throw into this mix. Uh, everyone's going to be running out to the waiver wire for Jeff Wilson. I honestly, the amount of fab uh, it would take to get Wilson, I'm not willing to pay that. So I would rather and just take cheaper shots on TDP, on Jordan Mason, and even like a $1 free $0 bid on Marlon Mack just to kind of stash... Um, because as we've seen before in the San Francisco uh, backfield, guys come out of nowhere. Uh, Jeff Wilson himself isn't even the most durable running back out there. He's been he's gone down multiple times with injuries, uh, so it's not really a done deal Jeff Wilson type thing. It's going to be a very fluid situation. So take your shot on any of the three back end guys, and one of them's going to pay off. Uh, so whoever you're comfortable with. It's honestly just kind of a, a roulette wheel, spin of the wheel at this point. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and keep our eye on the practice reports, uh, see who's kind of getting that first team work, and then, you know, Sunday, just going to figure it out from there. Um, next up on the list is T. Higgins. 
Uh, he suffered a concussion early in the game, knocked out the rest of the way. Tyler Boyd steps in, fills that role as we knew that he would should anything happen to uh, Tier Chase. We all know the concussion protocol. It can be a very straightforward process. Some guys are in and out within one week. Um, other guys, it can take a longer time depending on how uh, how serious the, the hit was and just kind of how they're doing in the recovery because not everyone has the same recovery process when it comes to these, these head injuries. So I would keep an eye on T. If you have Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins sits, uh, he is a definite, definite wide receiver two to three flex play, uh, and I would feel very comfortable plugging him into my lineup. Um, this next uh, next bit of news here is probably the most actionable and probably the one that uh, might be a little bit more sneaky just because it, it's not someone who's been declared out. Uh, it's Najee Harris, who uh, left the game late with a foot injury but didn't return throughout all of the overtime uh, period where the team could have really used him. Uh, and it is with a foot injury, and we know from the preseason during camp, uh, he was dealing with a Liz Frank injury that was weirdly quiet throughout the entire process. Like, it was known, but everyone was kind of ignoring it, and like, ah, he's fine. Uh, but that's that's a type of injury that it, a re-aggravation like this is a very big red flag. So, uh, the team is already saying that he's going to be fine. He's, it doesn't look too serious, but I'm not really buying that. Um, and they're... they're there's a clear guy behind him uh, in Jalen Warren that can step right into that bell cow role that can fill Najee Harris's shoes as good as anyone can. Um, I, Benny Snell's bad. I don't even know who else they got there anymore, to be completely honest with you. But uh, Jalen Warren is someone that people have been excited about because uh, he came on strong through camp. He was good at the end of preseason. And uh, there's been clips out there on Twitter of him just throwing blocks like nobody's business and he is like chucking linebackers he's popping dudes so I think he's gonna go ahead and fit that Steeler running back mold um and I think Tomlin's gonna go ahead and love him and just turn the keys over should anything happen and uh to Najee so uh it might not pay off in week two but go grab Jalen Warren I would spend a little bit up on him just to make sure that you get him and again since Najee might not be ruled out and it's looking like they're saying he's fine you might not even have to spend that much fab to go ahead and secure him on your roster and just wait for the blow-up to happen because this Najee foot issue is not going away. Uh, Liz Frank issues cost ETN an entire season, uh, and it's, it's not something that's just going to disappear. It's not something that he's going to be able to play through and have it get better. It's one of those injuries where if you play on it, all you're going to do is re-aggravate it and re-aggravate it, and uh, it might start one, one to two weeks he's out, he comes back, and then it's going to be the rest of the season. So... Uh, Jalen Warren, very exciting running back. Situation not great, but I mean, for a guy off the waiver wire, it's a lot of guaranteed usage, so go get him. Uh, and last on the list is going to be Keenan Allen. Uh, it's a, a short week here. They got the Thursday night game with Kansas City, so it's going to be a very high-scoring game that we're expecting. Um, Mike Williams, absolutely feel free to fire him up. I know that he burned everyone last week, myself included. But he was in there for 98% of the snaps, 98% route participation. So there's nothing to worry about with Mike Williams. This is just kind of what happens with Mike Williams. He'll disappear for a game or two. And then he can come back and post 8 for 120 and a touchdown. So uh, feel comfortable doing that. And then uh, Josh Palmer is actually the guy that I want to talk about here. If he's still out on your waiver wire, go pick him up. 
again, I don't see Keenan coming back. There's even been uh, talks from coaches that he might not even be back for two, like two to three weeks because he's really going to want to come back right from this. He's this is a guy who's dealt with injuries many a time in his uh, in his career, and he knows how his body heals and knows what's best for his body. So uh, he might be missing an extended amount of time. And Josh Palmer was. Uh, had the second highest route participation on the team because Keenan did go out early. Um, and he had uh, the same amount of targets as 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 um, Mike Williams. So he's he's definitely slotting in. He's kind of like that Tyler Board uh, type number three where he just slots right into that number two spot. The Chargers and Herbert did spread it around a lot. That's kind of what caused the downfall of Mike Williams in week one. But... I think we can expect in a game where it's going to be a nonstop back and forth battle that uh, Herbert's going to be looking to his guys um, in Williams and Palmer and guys that he can really trust. So uh, we're hoping to see a more consolidated uh, target share this week between Williams and Palmer and even Everett and Eckler because Eckler wasn't wasn't used too much in the passing game, strangely enough. Um, but those are the guys that I'm targeting on the waiver wire this week. Um, there's a couple more that I'll talk about later that aren't injury related and just posted big performances that I'm excited about. So stick around for that. I'll go ahead and bring those up later. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and move into the next segment here. It's going to be the, uh, is it real or is it fake week one explosions cat, uh, week one explosions and, uh, going to go ahead and just go through each position, bring up a guy that came out of nowhere and just absolutely dominated and let you know is it something that you can count on week to week or is it time to go ahead and try and sell high uh bail out and let someone else deal with the headache of uh failure later on in the season uh so for the qb position uh there's a couple of guys that i feel like could be good stream plays uh actually just one but uh carson wentz he put up 27.7 fantasy points good enough for qb3 on the week and he really he took care of the ball he was spreading around quite a bit um he kept everything pretty short so it it did take a lot of work from his wide receivers uh he was number 19 in average depth of target with only 7.1 yard uh yards uh, per target uh so his supporting cast really helped him out but here's the exciting part in week two they get the detroit lions who showed that they have an absolutely awful defense um Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles were up and down the field on them, on the ground, in the air. A.J. Brown put up 155 yards on them, so it, it, it is, an, it is a, an off, a defense that will go ahead and allow shootout potential, and the Detroit offense went ahead, and I mean, but in that game with Philadelphia, there was a combined 73 total points, so it is definitely seems like Detroit is going to be a fun shootout, fantasy-friendly matchup every time, um, so it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, Scary Terry, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, uh, Logan Thomas, all guys that you can go ahead and start. And I'm going to go ahead and say Carson Wentz is going to go ahead and be another uh, a, a top five quarterback once again this week. Uh, so go ahead and if he's still out on your waiver wire and you need a quarterback, pick him up, throw him in, feel comfortable. Um, the next guy on the list is going to be Jameis Winston. Uh, he had 21.7 fantasy points for QB6 on the week, which honestly... Not really all that surprising. Jameis has always been a fantasy-friendly quarterback. Uh, everyone was just kind of curious to see how this New Orleans offense was going to work out, and it kind of played out how everyone, a little bit less how everyone expected, but he did spread the ball quite around. 
uh, around quite a bit besides, like, he had his two guys. He had Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas. Um, no turnovers, which is shocking for Jameis. I mean, that's what he's famous for. Uh, just not a lot of yardage, but those two tight end or touchdowns definitely helped. Uh, he's got a tough matchup in week two, so he's a guy that I'm fine to leave on the waiver wire um, and go ahead and s- wait and see on him. I'm not excited to start him against Tampa Bay, who just absolutely shut down Dak before the injury and then uh, completely made every wide receiver on Dallas. I mean, I guess they only have CeeDee Lamb, but they made CeeDee Lamb completely irrelevant. So I'm not too excited about uh, starting Jameis in week two, but he is a guy that uh, if he does go ahead and perform in week two against Tampa, I would definitely go ahead and pick him up and just keep riding that uh, riding that hot hand until until it cools down and you, you need to move on. Um, that's it for the quarterback position. Uh, moving on to the running backs. I This one's not really like anything at all but Saquon Barkley RB1 33.4 points like that's just exciting to see this is exactly what we've seen from him before and what everyone has just been kind of discounting like oh he's in- he's always injured the offense is bad but when you have an offense and play calling that actually gets the best player on the offense involved it doesn't matter if they're bad they're gonna put up fantasy points and it even got them the win on Sunday so it's just a win-win overall um, 76% of the running back opportunities, 33% target share. I mean, he was literally the only piece of offense, and it's real, real, real Saquon season. He's coming for that RB1 spot this year. It's going to be, it's exciting to see. Um, Kareem Hunt is next up on the running back list. He had 23 points. He was RB4 on the week, and this is one of the top sell uh, guys I have on my list like I do not want to have Hunt on my roster after this uh the end result the box score uh searching it makes it seem like oh wow this is you know it's Hunt it's Chubb it's 50-50 but it's it's not he got the touchdowns yes and that's frustrating for Chubb owners uh they're gonna be crying in the corner you know I mean Chubb put up 144 yards and literally couldn't even get like any of the any of the touchdowns out of it um so it's a little bit frustrating um hunt himself only had 37 of the uh, 37 percent of the opportunity share uh and that just seems low compared to what we're used to seeing it used to be more of like a 55 45 split closer to a 50 50 where uh hunt would get more of the passing work but even in the passing game, he only got a 13% target share. So he's not really dominating either side of it. He just had the luck of getting the two touchdown looks and the two touchdown plays. Um, he had good route participation, so he is out there running the routes. But this is just one of those games where Hunt blows up. It, it can happen from time to time. and It's always going to be touchdown dependent. Uh, that's not something that I want on my roster. And there will be people out there who are like, wow it's Kareem Hunt season all over again and they will go ahead and and take the bite so if you do have that guy in your league if you got someone that you know would love like wants that touchdown uh dependent guy trade him get someone more reliable this is the week to do it I mean top five running back two touchdowns it this is the time to to strike while the iron's hot um next guy on the list is kind of similar to a Kareem Hunt but I think he's more real uh Cordero Patterson uh, 22.6 fantasy points, RB5 on the week. Um, 
I didn't expect it. I mean, it did help that uh, did help him that Damian Williams went down on like the first or second drive of the game, uh, and Tyler Algier was inactive. So we'll see how the usage is with Algier uh, active next week. I'm assuming they're going to go ahead and activate him because, I mean, it's it's tough to just ride Patterson, and uh, that's about it. So. Um, he was still a lot of the the offense in general. He was 84% of the running back opportunities. Uh, he did weirdly only see five targets for a 16% target share, and that was kind of where his upside usually comes from. Uh, I do expect with Algier active that more of the carries go Algier's way, but it, I, if they weren't even trusting Algier to be active during week one, I don't expect them to trust Algier in the, uh, the high-value... Uh, times of the game in the red zone in the uh two minute drill the three minute drill the hurry up i don't expect algier to really be in there i think that's where patterson will still dominate uh and that's that's what we want for fantasy so uh he was being lined up in the slot quite a bit too with a 24 percent slot rate so i think that if someone is still low on him because it's Cordero Patterson and we don't expect this to continue. I mean, RB5 is not really a sustainable mark for him still. Uh, I think he can go ahead and buy um, with the hope that he keeps those high value targets, even with Al Jair coming in and taking some of the in between the twenties work. Um, <laughs> here we go. Uh, yet again, Clyde Edwards, Alaire. Um, just, another guy scoring two touchdowns making everyone think wow it's his year but i'm gonna go ahead and let you know we've seen this before he's done this to us he's gone ahead and scored and put up a big uh, big week everyone's like yes ceh i told you he's better than jonathan taylor he deserved to be the 101 in rookie drafts and it's it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong it's wrong he wasn't even trusted to ice out the game i mean it, they might have just wanted to see what pacheco had in him but it's still a weirdly 30-30-30 split between CEH, McKinnon, Pacheco. Um, it, it's kind of been a roller coaster ride for me because I saw the raw usage of the third, like the pretty much 30-30-30 split, and I was like, wow, that's not good for CEH. But then I did see Adam Leviton post about how when the game was still competitive in the early game, it was almost exclusively CEH. So there is hope that he can be the leader of the backfield, but it's also, like I said, we've seen historically from the past two seasons that he's not really taken that step up to be the guy for the Chiefs. They've been looking for answers elsewhere. They brought in Ronald Jones. They drafted Pacheco, who's been getting run with the first team all through uh, preseason. They brought back Jarek McKinnon. They're not sold on CEH, and I'm not either. Uh, Similar to Hunt, it might be easier to sell CEH because he is coming into the season as the RB1. Uh, so you can go ahead and try and sell off of this two-touchdown game and get someone that is a more consistent upgrade who might have had a down week. Um, you might have to package and just kind of get a bigger name. I mean, I would try and package for a Dalvin Cook. Um, that's a name that I would love to go ahead and package one of these uh highly volatile touchdown dependent guys with another guy and try to get someone who is going to go ahead and just consistently get 20 to 25 touches a game and maybe just had a down game that's my opinion that's what i'm gonna that's what i would do i don't have ceh anywhere because i was not drafting him anywhere because i just 
I didn't think that he was a good player, and I still felt like he was going too high in drafts. Um, but, again, I could be completely wrong here. He could come out week two uh, here on Thursday. It's a, it should be a much closer game, and he might come out and dominate. We'll see. We'll get a look on Thursday, and I'll go ahead and talk about it on Friday and see what we should do with this backfield. But for now, I'm trying to sell, trying to buy Pacheco. I'll even take a, a cheap flyer on uh, Jarek McKinnon because he's getting he's getting the passing work. He's running routes. He's getting more targets. Uh, he just didn't get the red zone targets this week. It is what it is. Uh, up next is a very interesting name, A.J. Dillon. Uh, he put up 20.1 fantasy points, good enough for RB9 on the week. Uh, and he was used more. He was given more opportunity than Aaron Jones this week, which makes zero sense to me. Uh, this Packers game made zero sense to me at all. Uh, Dylan was outsnapped by Jones, but Dylan outcarried and out-targeted Aaron Jones. He had a 17% target share this week, and he was also being lined up in the slot. It wasn't just Jones being split out wide, Dylan in the backfield. They were kind of moving them both all, all around. They might change up the game plan because whatever they did in week one clearly wasn't it. Uh, so he's a guy that I'm not really quite sure. I know that he's got that very safe floor where he's going to get the work uh, on the ground, but is a 17% target share really sustainable? Maybe. Maybe while Lazard's out, but I'm thinking that um, Jones is going to go ahead and come back. They're going to want to get Jones a lot more involved. They're going to want to target him a lot more. They're going to want to run with run the ball a lot more with these two backs, so... I think that the floor is still definitely there for you to feel safe starting A.J. Dillon in a flex spot. Um, and the monster upside is still obviously there because he is the goal line back. Um, he, there were only two goal line carries this entire game for the Packers. Both of them went to A.J. Dillon. Uh, and out of the five red zone opportunities, three of them went to A.J. Dillon, two to Aaron Jones, and those were uh, the two to Jones were... Uh, outside of the 10, so once they get near the goal line, they're trusting those big old quads of A.J. Dillon to go ahead and try and punch it right in. Uh, so, again, great floor, great weekly flex for A.J. Dillon, even an RB2 for anyone that went uh, hero RB or zero RB this season, which looking like a good move. Uh, safe to go ahead and put in that, in that RB2 flex spot, uh, and then he's got absolute top three upside if anything does happen to Aaron Jones and he takes over that role completely. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the wide receiver position and see who's real and who's fake. Uh, Michael Pittman, this is kind of like similar to the Saquon thing where this is a mini mini victory lap where it's just, I'm happy that a guy that was a little bit polarizing, some people loved him, some people were like, ah, he's overrated, run first offense. He went out and he proved that he is the absolute alpha on this team. Uh, he is the new Julio Jones to Matt Ryan, obviously. Big-bodied, athletic guy going up there, uh, putting in work. And he absolutely dominated the, the offense with a 27% target share. The next closest two guys on the list are Jonathan Taylor and Tyler Grant. Uh, is it Tyler? The, the tight end Granson at 14%. Uh, I mean, he doubled the next two guys on the list, and it wasn't even close. Like, you knew every single time Matt Ryan was looking for Michael Pittman, and it didn't matter that the defense knew that because Michael Pittman was just going up and getting it. Uh, he had the most air yards on the team by far. He was running uh, deep down the field. 
Uh, and while the Colts won't be playing from behind like this every week, I do think that this game kind of showed that their defense isn't as strong as some people expected. So Matt Ryan will have to pass. We've seen Matt Ryan have fantasy success with passing volume. So if the Colts are playing and they're having to pass to stay in these games to go ahead, it's going to be a lot more competitive than people thought. Uh, Pittman is going to be an absolute smash this season. Wide receiver one, locked and loaded, just set it and forget it. Um, up next on the list is going to be Michael Thomas. I'm not really quite sure how I feel on Michael Thomas yet. Um, we know he is an elite wide receiver. We know he's in the past been a guy who had 150 catches, 150 plus catches, wide receiver one season. Uh, that was two, three years ago. And this is his first football that we've seen in over a year and a half. And he commanded a good target share. Uh, so it's one of those things where is he back or was it just a good game? So I'm still kind of on the fence. I want to see more. I want to see week two, week three to see how the target share looks. But right now, I like what I see. If I have him, I'm going to go ahead and hold because I might have just hit a, a lotto ticket in the uh, sixth, seventh round of fantasy drafts. Uh, right now in New Orleans, it's it's Landry and it's Thomas. Uh, Olave did do the most with his opportunities, catching three all three of his pa uh, targets for 41 yards. So I do expect Olave to kind of get more and more integrated into this offense and uh, where he takes his target share from is where the fear comes from. It could, like, we know uh, Jarvis Landry is an absolute PPR monster, target magnet, but so is Michael Thomas. So what, like, something's got to give between those two. And Alvin Kamara, very, very quiet this game. So there's three to four guys that really does, like, deserve targets in this offense. So it's interesting to see on a week-to-week -week basis what the target share is. Uh, I think early on, Thomas is going to go ahead and smash, and I would go ahead and continue to start him until we're proven that, uh, in, until we're shown that it's it's not the Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry show. Uh, this next guy is a little interesting, Robbie Anderson. He is a potential pickup on the waiver wire just because, I mean, the targets don't lie. Uh, I don't expect a 30% uh, 30 plus target share on a weekly basis from Robbie Anderson. But again, week one, 36% target share was one of Baker Mayfield's go-to guys. Um, he's done it before, even in Carolina, where he has just kind of overshadowed DJ Moore and uh, made all DJ Moore drafters just pull their hair out because it, he just he, he finds a way. He just keeps finding a way to just be the thorn in DJ Moore's side. Um, and then another, what what kind of makes me nervous with Robbie Anderson is, again, 36% target share, completely unsustainable for what is expected to be the number two wide receiver. Um, but CMC had a shockingly low 16% target share. Like, that's literally the bread and butter of the Carolina offense is getting Christian McCaffrey in space, throwing him in the slot, having him just absolutely make linebackers look silly and then just getting them the ball and letting them work. The fact that he only got about four targets is just unacceptable uh, and probably played a huge factor in why the Panthers eventually lost this game. Um, I would like to see more from this offense to kind of see how the weekly uh, target share split is. But as, I'm, as I stated earlier, I just, I, I, I don't see it being sustainable. But I do think if you need wide receiver help, there's worse places to look. So uh, he's worth a $0 bid. If you get him, awesome. If not, 
don't feel too bad about it. Um, this next guy is Amon Ross St. Brown, who is the real deal, and he is probably my biggest miss of this entire offseason of draft season. I thought there was no way between Swift, between Hawk, between Chark, uh, Jamison Williams when he comes back. I was like, at, at best, Amon Ra is going to be the third or fourth option on this offense, but Goff just seems to be locked in on him. Um, I am a performance uh, charter for player profiler. I do the Detroit Lions games, so I get to see firsthand every week. Uh, and Goff was just, even if he wasn't open, even if he was double covered, Goff didn't care if the pocket fell apart, if uh, he held onto the ball too long, Goff was looking Amon Ross uh, way every single time. Uh, he had a 32% target share, and I honestly, like I said, I thought from last season, the tear that he went on was completely because of the fact that he was the only guy left on that offense. Swift was hurt, Hawk was hurt, but it's carrying over into 2022, uh, we've already talked about the Lions' defense being terrible. They're going to have to throw, so it's not crazy to think that Amon Ra can average 10 targets a game for the entire season. Um, he's got upside like nobody's business. He's looked at in the red zone, in the hurry-up. Like He is literally all over the field, one of Goff's top targets. So uh, if you drafted him, congratulations. You got an absolute steal. He is going to smash, and he is uh, up for that, quote-unquote, this year's Cooper Cup award. Um, he's just an absolute monster right now, and I, I, I'm just shocked. <laughs> uh, last on this list is my number one waiver target uh, at the wide receiver position. Uh, it is Curtis Samuel. And we're going to go ahead and get to see him absolutely smash again this week against that bad Detroit Lions defense. Um, Samuel went ahead and led the uh, team in targets with a 27% target share. And more importantly, the exciting part of all this is Curtis Samuel got four carries. They schemed him into space. They schemed plays around him. He got four carries, which is more than what J.D. McKissick got. The running distribution was literally, it was all Antonio Gibson. And then Curtis Samuel got a little tiny piece. And then an even smaller piece went to J.D. McKissick. So Samuel out-targeted, ran more routes, out-carried J.D. McKissick. So uh, this offense is going to be uh, pretty exciting. Uh, the Again, in, at least until Chase Young gets back and is able to provide some pressure uh, on opposing quarterbacks, this defense looks pretty soft again. Uh, the Jaguars put up over 25 points on them. So it's really something where uh, I expect the the Washington Commanders to be a another team that's kind of a nice, fun, shootout-type team. Uh, and we get the, the Lions and the Commanders against each other, so it should just be a nonstop, just back-and-forth Swiss cheese defense uh, extravaganza. Um, my only caution here is... Terry McLaurin only had four targets, and we know that's not going to be the way it is this season. Uh, Terry McLaurin is the number one wide receiver on this team. He is the most talented wide receiver on this team, and he will be Wentz's go-to target. Uh, I think it was just kind of the way the game played out. Wentz was just in a groove, and he had some chemistry going with uh, with Samuel uh, to give those 11 targets, and 
Um, I, I do expect it to balance out. I don't expect a 27% target share for Samuel throughout the entire season. But if he can stay north of that 20% mark and be the wide receiver two opposite of Terry McLaurin, I think he's going to be able to provide great fantasy uh, relevance. Um, and again, just having like a base floor of having some rushing work worked in there is, I mean, that's that's how you get a Debo Samuel. That's how you get these guys that uh, can really break out. And right now he's on he's on the waiver wire. He's like 96% unowned. He's you can you can get him on any on any platform. He's going to be one of the top waiver wire as this week, and uh, he's definitely my favorite in the wide receiver category this week. Uh, for the tight end position, oh my god! Uh, unless you have Travis Kelsey, just pray. Like there is literally nothing else to do. Like it is a horrible, horrible clusterfuck out there at the tight end position. Um, I think week to week, we're just going to be completely shocked as to how everything goes down. Um, Pitt's not a high target share. I mean, he was paced by uh, Drake London, the rookie. Uh, Corderell Patterson was getting more targets than him. I mean, it was just, it, it, it's ugly out there for, for Pitts. I'm scared as a, uh, a Pitts manager in one of my leagues. Um, it really is. It's Kelsey, and then it's everyone else. That's it. Um, two guys that I am kind of interested in. Uh, if you are streaming, I'm not sure if they're out there. They were most likely drafted, but uh, you never know uh, in these leagues. Uh, Pat Fryermuth and Tyler Higby uh, both posted over a 25% target share. So while we're playing the guessing game here, it's safe to go ahead and go with a guy who's getting a lot of targets. He can maybe turn a couple of those targets into red zone opportunities. He can bust one off. Both Fryermuth and Higby are athletic enough to make a big play happen. They're both red zone threats. So 25% target share, you can absolutely do worse at the position if they're out there and you need a streamer. I would go. I would turn to those two first. Um, and that is it for the real or fake big blow-up performances from week one. Uh, those fakes go ahead and sell high. Uh, the real ones go out and acquire them off the waiver wire, stash them away. Even if you like, if you don't feel too confident with them week two, that's fine. If you want to see another week, I would go ahead and feel comfortable starting, um, Curtis Samuel next week for sure. Um, but again, if you have a solid lineup and you're just looking for some, uh, for some bench stashes. Uh, th those are some good names that you can go ahead and grab and see if they're going to go ahead and continue uh, the high usage and the high upside. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next part, which is going to be the panic or don't panic. Are we keeping it cool? Are we being cool? Or are we going to go ahead and freak the fuck out on these guys? Uh, first up is the most important because you just need to throw this game away from week one. Uh, Trey Lance and all of the 49ers do not, I do not care about anything that happened in this game. I do not care that Lance looked bad. I do not care that Ayuk was non-existent. I do not care that they did absolutely nothing on offense because the conditions that they played in, it's it's not, it shouldn't happen again this season. There's no reason to judge the 49ers, especially when there's nothing else from 2022 for us to base anything off of. Why would we base anything off of this one-off game that was in torrential downpour where Dante Pettis was the wide receiver one on both sides. Like it's just, it's nonsensical to put any weight 
on this week one performance. Uh, if anyone does panic and drops Trey Lance on the waiver wire, I don't care who you have at quarterback, you're picking him up. It, he's worth the slot, the spot. Like it's it's not even if you don't like have him, like you can trade him. You can trade whoever your current starting quarterback is. Like Trey Lance is going to be perfectly fine. Um, the rest of the 49ers will be perfectly fine. Debo will be fine. Whichever of the running backs that comes out of this mess will be fine. Ayuk will be fine. And Kittle, when he comes back, will be fine until he gets hurt again. <laughs> uh, but yeah, don't worry about the 49ers. They're going to be perfectly fine. I've said fine at least 30 times, so that's how serious I am about them being fine. Uh, next up on the list is Matt Stafford. I kind of touched on it on my uh, the previous episode. I'm not panicking yet on the Rams. I think they played the best defense in the NFL. I think they were coming off of a Super Bowl hangover, and I think their offensive line uh, needed a wake-up call and hopefully can go ahead and get their shit together and protect Matt Stafford. I hope Stafford can go ahead and realize he's not going to have the time he did last season. He's going to have to get the ball out quicker. He has experience with it. He played on the Lions. It It's just situation changed. He's still got elite talent around him. Uh, I would like to see Allen Robinson get more involved along with the rest of the fantasy community. Um, but there, there's talent there. I'm not panicked yet on Stafford. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a completely different story. I am absolutely panicking if I drafted him. I didn't because I didn't trust the Green Bay Packers this year outside of the two running backs. But uh, Rodgers and the Packers got absolutely steamrolled. They should have been throwing from behind for the entire game, and it just didn't matter. From the get-go, they were completely ineffective. No wide receiver stepped up. Christian Watson had drops. Dobbs didn't really hear anything from him much. A.J. Dillon was one of the top receivers on the entire team. It was just a bad, bad game. And even with Lazard back, I don't think it gets much better. Um, if you have Rodgers feel free to cut bait now. You can hold him if you want, but I'm letting you know right now, it's not going to get much better. He's not going to be a top 10 quarterback this year. He's not going to be even close to that. So if you're in a single quarterback league, start streaming. Take the L, start streaming. Um, for the running back position, am I panicking or not on these guys? Dalvin Cook? Absolutely not. Uh, this was just one of those games, and it, it it can happen from time to time where the touchdowns just go all through the air. Uh, JJ was absolutely demolishing the Green Bay Packers, uh, looking like Randy Moss out there. Two touchdowns through him. I mean, I'm pretty sure he had two touchdowns in the first half. It was something insane. Um, but Cook had 23 touches, over 100 yards. He just didn't get the touchdown this week. I'm not worried. Uh, there will be games where it's Cook. There will be games where it's JJ. There will be games where it's Thielen. But I'm, I'm just waiting for those games. I'm not, I'm not panic selling. Um, Austin Eckler, uh, not panicking. A little bit just confused by the usage, to be honest. Um, again, as I talked about earlier, um, with the Keenan Allen news, it was a little bit strange to see Herbert spread the ball out so much. Uh, it's really kind of been a more of a consolidated passing game. So to see him, I mean, DeAndre Carter and, and guys like that get so involved, it was a little it was a little concerning, but it's also something where I think he was just taking what was there. Um, I do expect the average game to be revolving around uh, Williams, Keenan, and Eckler. 
And with Keenan out, I expect it to be Williams and Eckler leading the passing game this coming week against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we'll get the look on Thursday to see, but I'm not panicked on on Eckler. I think he's going to go ahead. I mean, he was the clear uh, RB1. Uh, he doubled the work of Sony Michelle, who was the RB2 behind him. So uh, it, it's nothing to be concerned about. He might not have the upside of that top five running back again. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of see how more typical games look for the Chargers and for Eckler. Um, Aaron Jones, I am a little bit concerned after seeing how poorly the Green Bay Packers played. Uh, I'm not full panic yet because I do think that the Packers and uh, Rodgers even spoke about it on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, Jones was underused. I don't know what the game plan was. I don't know if the Minnesota Vikings just schemed so well that they completely removed Aaron Jones, who is by far their best weapon currently. Um... But it is concerning that if that is the case, that Jones can be schemed out by the opposing defense. Um, I think that the Packers are going to have to get more creative with their play calling to get Jones the ball in space. If they're able to get that figured out, Jones will be fine. If they aren't, by week two, if he does not have a good game, if he doesn't have uh, eight to ten targets and gets like more red zone work, if he's not getting like those high-value uh, touches, I, I am very concerned. Um, if there is someone who will trade you for preseason value of Aaron Jones because they think that he just had a low game and they're trying to buy low, go ahead and I would go ahead and try and get someone that we know is more consistent um, and that we know has, has steady work ahead of them. Um, up next is Travis Etienne. Another player that I was disappointed in, but not full-blown panic yet. Um, he did see the majority of the snaps. He had more routes run than James Robinson. Uh, it was just kind of the way that the game fell down that Robinson got the, the receiving touchdown. I don't expect that to be the case every single time. I do think that it will happen more often than people think. Uh, but that is also why ETN was going in the fourth and fifth rounds was because of that threat of James Robinson who came back and just absolutely got amazing amounts of work and performed amazingly well for coming off of an Achilles tear and coming back right before week one started. Like that's just, it's something that I didn't expect. I thought week one was all ETN, but here we are. Uh, slightly panicked, not panic selling, just kind of holding and uh, waiting for the turnaround. Um, Derek Henry, I'm I'm not worried about him. Dontrell Hilliard scored two touchdowns on a 19% snap share rate. Like the odds of that happening are just so so small that I. It's another. It's kind of like the 49ers game. Don't care. Throw it out. Uh, Tennessee lost, so you know they're gonna want to come back out and be like, that's not who. That's not the football that we play. We want Derrick Henry to get 40 carries in a game. I fully expect the turnaround week two. I think he's gonna go ahead and get an obnoxious amount of work and uh, I. Again, do not expect two touchdowns to be going to Hilliard uh, moving forward. Henry had 21 of the 23 carries. Things will level out. Um, Alvin Kamara, I am panicking here. Uh, there are many reasons for me to be panicking. Uh, the passing work wasn't there. And this happened last season with Jameis. He wasn't dumbing it down as much. They weren't moving Kamara out into the slot. They weren't getting him uh, like schemed up pass plays. Uh, but 
last season they went ahead and supplemented that with extra carries that didn't happen this week either um new orleans was playing from behind a bit so they didn't really have the opportunity to let camaro run the ball more to go ahead and try and ice a game out um they were playing from behind quite a bit, so they were passing, but that's still not promising that they're passing the entire game. And Kamara only had, uh, let's see, how many, how many carries did he have, or how many, how, how many targets did he have? Uh, we're going to Nola, and Kamara had four targets, four targets, a fourteen percent share. Uh, Less than 14%, because this isn't showing Olave, but less than a 14% target share for Alvin Kamara in week one is not promising. He did get uh, nine of the 13 carries uh, from the backfield. So like I said, they weren't running the ball a lot, but it is still just very concerning uh, at how little he was used when he is one of their best players. Um, and it has also come up today that he's dealing with a rib injury, which I didn't see or hear anything about that until today. And then f immediately following that little tidbit of news from Field Yates, uh, Latavius Murray gets signed by the New Orleans Saints. So there are all sorts of red flags just popping up, lighter usage, uh, not being used in the passing game, Latavius Murray being signed, just all things that I am just like my head's spinning trying to just like all i see is red 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 and i am i'm freaking out if i'm a, if i'm a camara manager i am 100 percent not happy with it if i went ahead and bumped him up to the second round and i was expecting oh alvin camara of old it doesn't seem like that's the case it it just seems like this might be a lost season for camara already if he is just constantly dealing with these um these injuries that are just gonna like gonna be poking him in the side pun intended uh <laughs> uh throughout the year it's just it's something that i'm not excited about if i drafted him uh if you have someone who is again similar to aaron jones if you have someone who is looking to uh quote unquote buy low on him and you can get what you feel is is good value more consistent safe value i would 100 percent take that opportunity right now before it gets any worse because I'm not convinced that this is the bottom uh, for Kamara or Jones. Um, that is all that I had for the the week one reactions. Um, I was going ahead and taking a look through the week two projections. It is it seems like there's quite a bit of uh, potentially high scoring teams out there. I what, what's my count here? What's my count? I, there's 13 teams that are projected to score over 25 points this week. Uh, week one was a little bit strange where a lot of the teams uh, underperformed. Um, but I, I guess it was a 50-50 split for the most part, but not a lot of teams overperformed. It was pretty much the Lions, the Eagles, and the Kansas City Chiefs that overperformed. Uh, and I think they're all kind of set up in good week two matchups to really kind of just smash again. So I, I, I feel fine taking the overs in the Detroit-Washington game. I feel fine taking the over in the, uh, the Thursday night game between Kansas City and uh, the Chargers. Um, I think those are going to be two of the highest scoring teams out there uh any given week. And the fact that they're playing each other is just extra exciting. And I'm pretty sure J.C. Jackson still not practicing, still looking like he's uh, at least another week out. So 
uh, we should see a good old-fashioned shootout uh, between Kansas City and the Chargers. Um, that is all that I have for this episode. Uh, if you like what I'm posting here, I will be uh, putting out uh, tweets. I do, as I stated before, I do performance charting for uh, Roto Underworld for Player Profiler. Uh, so I will be coming out with a weekly thread where I just kind of recap whatever game I watched that week, whatever game that I charted, and I will go player by player, fantasy relevant player by player, and just kind of give interesting stat nuggets, uh, try to give any type of actionable advice moving forward with those players on who you can feel safe starting, who you should start to be concerned. If there's a guy on the waiver wire, there will be deep, uh, deep dives in that thread. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, on my Twitter, that's at Joens underscore FF. Um, if you like this video, if you like the pod, uh, please be sure to subscribe to the YouTube at uh, Fantasy Kingdom. Uh, and the podcast will also be on Spotify. Again, that is the Fantasy Kingdom show. Go ahead and give me a follow over there so you see when the pod drops. Uh, subscribe over here on YouTube, so that way whenever I do go live for these live stream episodes, you can go ahead and get the notification, hop in. Uh, I will be working on reading the chat if anything comes through and answering any questions that anyone may have, so uh, looking to make it a good time on this on this uh, podcast and on, on this show. Um, but that is all I have for today. Uh, good luck on your waivers. Again, Jalen Warren, Curtis Samuel, uh, top two targets that I'm looking for and throw a dart on any of these uh, San Francisco 49er running backs not named Jeff Wilson because you'll have to pay too much for him. Good luck. I'll talk to you uh, on Friday for the week two preview.